If everyone could please settle down, NR92's The Feed is about to start. Good afternoon, I'm your host Nick Fatta with our second episode of The Feed this semester. Today we'll preview the Junos and how some Nate students will be part of the show. We'll take a look at controversial changes in one of Nate's programs. And we'll set up the end of the women's hockey Ooks regular season. But first... The NATSA, exec- the NATSA Executive Council election ended last month, and NATSA students have elected Tylene Saison as their new student association president. NR92's Joshua James reports. Tylene Saison served as acting president last year while still serving as vice president internal. Now that she's been elected, I spoke with our student association's new president-elect to learn more about her goals as president. One of the first ones is tuition. I've done a lot of work this last year on ensuring that tuition is affordable and predictable for students, but that's like sitting on committees or actually working on new policies this year. So I really want to continue that work just with a lot of the knowledge that I've gained over this last year and just continue on with that. And then also technology is a really big thing for me this year. So ensuring that it's accurate, up to date, reliable for students, especially being a very technologically based school, it's really important for students on campus. During my conversation with Nate's or President-elect Saison, I wanted to find out if there was anything Nate's students should know about Nate'sa. We obviously, we roll out the UPASS program in health and dental, but we're also here to support students with how to use those programs, mental health supports, and really always actively looking for new ways to help support students, volunteering opportunities, helping them through study times, and whatever that would really look like. And the biggest thing is advocacy overall. We actually advocate to Nate, we advocate to like the government and a lot of other things for students' rights and to make sure that's better every year on campus. Ms. Saison officially won the election at the end of February, but has been acting president of the Nate's Executive Council since last year. I asked what she has found to be the most rewarding part of taking on that role. I think at the end of the day, for me, it's really hearing students at the end of the year, whether we go talk to them in the hallways or at events and saying, I had a really good time while I was at Nate. I really enjoyed events. I really enjoyed this. I felt like I was supported. And to me, that's really what it comes down to, because my big goal is to make sure that students, everybody on campus, has a fulfilling time while they're here. Ms. Saison officially takes the NATSA Executive Council President title at the end of April. You can learn more about NATSA and the NATSA Executive Council at NATSA.ca. I'm Joshua James for NR92. Costs of everything from groceries to gasoline have been on the rise over the past year. Students attending post-secondary institutions on, su- on shoestring budgets have felt the crunch more than most. But there may be a modicum of relief on the horizon. NR92's Brandon Douglas has more. The Alberta government released its 2023 budget earlier this week, and students have a vested interest in some of its contents. Back on February 16th, the UCP announced there would be a cap on tuition increases across the province starting in the 2024-2025 school year. There were plenty of other measures included to try and ease the pressure on both current students and those recently graduated. The Nate Nuggets news editor, Caleb Perot, says that while the information can seem complicated and difficult to understand, it basically breaks down to a couple key takeaways. They're going to increase the grace period for repaying back student loans from 6 months to 12 months. Also going to change the, the interest rate on repayment from prime rate plus 1% to just prime rate. The tuition increase cap itself is set at 2%. But since it won't be enforced for another calendar year, students can still expect increases closer to the 5.5% cap that currently exists. Perot says it's not a lock that Nate will increase tuition costs by the full amount, 
as there are several groups consulted before such decisions are made. Depending on what the executive council decides to do, they also have to communicate that with NATSA as well. For the moment, it could be a possibility. The UCP's budget release comes in advance of a provincial election at the end of May. The budget and everything in it, including the financial breaks for students, is dependent on the UCP remaining in power. Perot says that should the legislature get a shakeup, so too could these changes to tuition increase caps. Whoever wins, if it's not the UCP government, we could also see the budget completely changed and we could see the cap completely changed as well. The proposed budget of just over $68 billion projects a $2.4 billion surplus by this time next year. The provincial election is on May 29th. A tech course here at Nate has recently announced some controversial changes to the book list. Veld has more on the story. Every semester brings changes to programs here at Nate. Recently, the Digital Media and IT program announced a new Bring Your Own Device initiative. I talked to students around Nate to get their opinions on the change. I know a lot of kids, at least in my classes, are really upset about that because we already have to now pay for all the Adobe products, so that's about like $700 for the entire year. And a lot of them bought like actual computers for their house and not laptops because you need a lot of power to be able to like render all the stuff we need. And today a laptop with that much power is really expensive. I mean, for me, I have my own laptop, but I could see for some students it would be kind of annoying. When asked for opinions on other programs adopting a bring-your-own-device model, some had concerns. And another logistical problem that I think um, people don't think a lot when they first start talking about bring-your-own-device is things like students like me who take transit. It poses a much greater risk for people who take transit. Um, not only, like, for just like weight terms because like gaming laptops are super heavy but also like yeah as everyone knows I think ETS is not always the safest place and it does pose a greater risk for students who are taking transit to school obviously this is going to impose a much heavier burden on like the school's wi-fi if like every student is using their own device all the time some guys have to go to the library they don't have laptops you need so many charging outlets around the school for everyone's laptops then we're gonna need to find a way to get all the programs onto people's laptops I feel like it's a whole bunch of unnecessary steps. Like, you just go to class, log into the computer, everything's there. I would much rather that they invest all our increased tuition into things that would help us with our uh, schooling rather than taking it away and then telling us to give them more. There is no word yet as to whether other programs will adopt this bring-your-own-device model. I'm Veld with NR92. The Canadian government has put a spotlight on TikTok regarding the application's privacy and data use. Nick Atkinson has more. The controversy began last week when privacy commissioners of Canada, Alberta, British Columbia and Quebec began a joint probe into ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok. The investigation was sparked in the wake of now-settled class-action lawsuits in the United States and Canada related to TikTok's collection, use, and disclosure of personal information. Paul Davis, the founder of socialnetworkingsafety.net, who has done presentations across North America on digital safety and privacy, speaks on the nature of regulating TikTok and the responsibilities Canadians have in the wake of these regulations. Should companies be held to a higher level of accountability with respect to data collection, data mining? Yes. But at the end of the day, that company doesn't reside in North America. Their origins are far away. So if that is how they built the product and you chose to download it, <clears throat> well, you're the one putting yourself in that situation. 
On February 28th, Canada issued orders banning the use of TikTok on government-issued mobile devices with most provinces following suit or considering similar bans on the video sharing application. Uh, back in <clears throat> January of 2020, the Department of National Defense in the United States banned TikTok from every employee having it. The Canadian government has banned employees from having TikTok. There must be something to it, With even uh, segments of the European Union have banned it. The majority of TikTok's users are under the age of 24, which could present new challenges in teaching about online privacy and literacy and protecting children online. The challenge is that we have a generation, some take it seriously, and some actually, they literally, they say, I don't care. We need them to care. We need to understand because later on, in 10 years from now, at 25, they'll look back and say, you know what, I should have listened at that time because now I understand why that guidance was given to me. My goal is to make sure they understand the importance of privacy. But I have gathered a lot of information that, you know, some care and some do not. Federal officials in Canada continue to maintain there is no evidence that TikTok has compromised any government data or has been used for surveillance. TikTok disputes any accusation that it collects more user data than any other social media company, insisting that it is run completely independently from Beijing. Following last summer's project of allowing alcohol consumption in seven parks, Edmonton City Council voted to permanently allow it and increase the number of sites. Duncan Kilborn reports. Although the vote was split, Edmontonians will now permanently be able to drink in public parks. In fact, the city increased the number of parks from last year's 7 to now 18. I asked around the NR92 office to see if this new decision will get people out in the community this summer. Yeah, I think it gives a lot of people the incentive to actually get out there more and kind of see all the parks this city has to offer because prior to you had to be a little more covert with smuggling an adult beverage into a park. Now it's, oh, I can have a nice cold beer. Oh, I can have a glass of wine with our barbecue dinner. Like, I'm all for it. It might make me go out once or twice. Shadow had been to Paul Kane Park last year, and this is what he said about his time there. Oh yeah, I took my family, which was a really fun experience. Besides that, we got to enjoy the summer day and I got to enjoy at least one drink outside in the sun and it's not in my backyard. So I would highly recommend go enjoy. That being said, safety was still a top of the mind issue with the people I spoke to. Um, as long as it's closely monitored by uh, security or local authorities to keep people in check on how much they're consuming in these public places, I don't really see any harm in it. Just enjoying a nice uh, cold beverage on a sunny day out in nature. But there's still going to be the handful of people that make this new law look like a bad decision because they're going to be ruining it for a lot of people. However, bylaw officers issued zero tickets and gave just three warnings in 2022. This has been Duncan Kilburn with NR92 News. The future is looking bright for Galaxy Land and its new makeover. Davis Herman reports. Galaxy Land is continuing through its second phase, which is said to be complete this year. A lot has changed at Galaxy Land since reopening under the new Hasbro partnership in 2022. Visitors can now see new designs throughout the park, 
with the murals of Mr. Potato Head, G.I. Joe, and the Monopoly Man as a few examples. Hunter Murray, Galaxyland's digital production designer, says Hasbro wants to let the team spread their creative wings throughout the design process. I'm more on the creative side of things where I could literally make whatever I want and then it's up to seeing if it's possible afterwards. So right off the bat, our ideas are go crazy, do anything you like even if it doesn't seem possible, because maybe it will be in the end. There's a certain nostalgia for old theme parks, and some Edmontonians find it hard to accept change. However, Galaxyland's goal is to keep the same layout and feel with some new upgrades. Hunter says that parkgoers can look forward to a new line of rides opening in the coming months. Not every ride is changing, like they're getting different colors or different themes, we're just putting Monopoly stuff on things here and there, but the rides and the feeling of Galaxyland and the layout's gonna be the same. We're just making things a bit more shinier, adding brands to it, and adding rides as well. The shutdown of the Mindbender on January 30th had split reactions between parkgoers. Though the replacement for the Mindbender is currently on the back burner for the Galaxyland staff, Hunter thinks that fans will be delighted by its successor. Things are going to definitely be happening with it that are likely going to be replacing it, but it's probably going to be pretty similar to the Mindbender, if not something close, like something close to it will be replacing it, I'm sure. With Galaxyland opening new attractions while staying close to home, parkgoers can have their cake and eat it too. Davis Herman, NR92 News. Some of Nate's radio and television students get the opportunity of a lifetime as they take to Rogers Place for an event that hasn't been in Edmonton since 2004. Caitlin Pomersnick has more. Not only are the Junos a big deal for Canadian artists, but also for local students. As Rogers Place is preparing to host the big awards night, Nate radio and television students are preparing as well as a handful got hired to work behind the scenes at the Junos. As first semester radio student Kate Gullickson says, this presents them a chance to dip their toes into the industry. It, yeah, it is really good and kind of since we are going into this industry of TV and radio and we'll maybe be a part of more of these bigger events, it's definitely good to get your your feet in it early just so later down the road you're not like oh my god it's a big event like I did this when I was my first semester in this program so it's it's better to just kind of get a taste for it early. A wide variety of positions needed to be filled for this event. Giuliani Bodini another first semester student gets to fill a pretty big one and work alongside some pretty big names. I'm doing the talent assistant position and then I'm so excited because it was the, my first option and um, I'm going to be in backstage um, helping the artists uh, going to the stage or going to the red carpet. Although a bit nerve-wracking, these are the first of many steps for students like Kate and Giuliani. I'm still kind of nervous because I'm not really sure if I don't know what's going to happen, but like I'm still very looking forward and so excited to see what other opportunities come from this. Being able to have hands-on industry experiences this early in their career is something Giuliani appreciates about the radio and TV program. Uh, the, the teachers here and the, the um, we, they, they can give us opportunity to start building building our careers inside school before we graduate. So. 
It's very, very nice. The Junos are in Edmonton on March 13th and go live at 6 p.m. This has been Caitlin Pobersnick with NR92 News. The ACAC Women's Regular Season wraps up this weekend. NR92 Shadows Vanderswag takes a look at the Ooks playoff run and a more than successful season. We are only two games away from the ACAC hockey playoff run. I spoke with Peyton Basterash, left wing forward for the women's Ooks, about her triumphant return and game winning goal, earning her player of the game. So Peyton, you haven't played in how long were you saying? Like almost, I think like three months-ish, something like that. After an in-game concussion three months ago, the Nate personal trainer had mixed emotions about being cleared to play her first game back. During her recovery, Peyton attended every game and participated however she could, from selling pucks to Chuck to the 50-50 tickets ending May 31st. I was super nervous. I was really in my head in like the first, in warm up in like the first period, and I was just kind of like, I can't do this. Like I need to switch it up. So then I just kind of like opened myself up to everyone, and just kind of was supportive in that way, and I think that calmed my nerves a lot. Those nerves did not affect her come the third period after scoring the lone goal shorthanded against Saint. The Ooks now have a two-point lead on the Red Deer Queens, placing them first in the league. I feel great. Yeah. It's, uh, I was super pumped that I was able to go in the lineup again and just be on the bench finally with the girls and be uh, supportive with that. After a 2-1 comeback battle against the Red Deer Queens last weekend, the Ooks regained sole possession of the first place in the ACAC. Even though a playoff spot is secure, the women intend to give it their all this weekend. Was there anything you want to say to your fans and, and uh, let everybody know how are you doing? No, just thanks for supporting us. It really means a lot. The Ooks women face off against Lakeland College at home again tomorrow at 6 p.m. in the arena. Nate students get in free with their student ID. Go Ooks, go! You're listening to The Feed. Spring training is underway in Dunedin, and for many Blue Jays fans, it brings another season of both optimism and a little bit of uncertainty. NR92's Colton Hoppy has more. March 30th, we'll see the Blue Jays kick off the 2023 season in St. Louis. And for many fans, they hope to see the team take the next step towards being viewed as a legitimate threat in the American League East. Tyler Remchuk of Oilers Nation, who frequents Blue Jays Nation, offered his insight into what fans can expect this season out of the team. When you look back at what they were able to get done over the winter, there were maybe some moves that weren't super popular with the fan base, but they were moves that I think make this team a more complete ball club, whether it's trading away Teoscar Hernandez to get some help for the bullpen or trading away a fan favorite and a clubhouse favorite in Lourdes Curiel Jr. and a top prospect in Gabby Mourinho to go out and get a guy in Dalton Varsho who's not only going to make you tougher on the base pass, but he's going to give you a good glove in the outfield. And he still does bring a little bit of power. There were moves that weren't popular, but they made this ball club better and they should be able to propel them to sort of that next tier where they want to be. The starting rotation in Toronto has always been something of an enigma once you get away from the top two or three guys the Blue Jays deploy. But Yeremchuk praises one of their signings made this offseason. Chris Bassett was kind of the third biggest thing that GM Ross Atkins was able to accomplish over this over the winter. And I think Bassett just gives them dependability. You look at the rotation last year and Kevin Gosman, although there were a lot of reasons why, his results were kind of up and down. The season as a whole was good, but it was a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys. Everyone knows how Jose Barrios struggled. Everyone knows how Yusei Kikuchi struggled. But what Bassett gives you is, like you said, a guy who is more than likely going to give you a sub-4 ERA this year, and I think the rotation really needed that dependability. 
players and what they feel they're worth compared to management has always been a contested issue across North American sports, not just the MLB. Yuremchuk gives his opinion on how it can potentially damage a relationship between both parties. Arbitration is such a nasty process in Major League Baseball right now. There's so many guys over the last three weeks that have come out and talked about how the disdain they have for the way things are done. The 2023 season is going to be something a lot of fans will be having the World Series or bust mentality around. But for the time being, it's all speculation to if the Jays will hoist the Commissioner's Trophy after 162 games. Colton Hoppy, NR92 News. Thanks for listening to The Feed. Listen to us again on Sunday night at 7.30. And we're working on new stories for our next show on March 17th. I'm Nick Fatta for NR92. Thanks for listening to The Feed. Hear it again on NR92 Sunday night at 7.30 or find it on NR92 SoundCloud.